You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into the journey of their lives, how they got to where they are today, the ups, the downs, the doubts, the fears, all of that, and how they get through their day-to-day now. Because I believe that our feelings of being successful, fulfilled, worthy, lovable, enough are not out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this, then I will feel that. Nope, we'll just keep chasing it if we put it outside of ourselves. It's up to us to claim it every single day, uh, sometimes every moment of the day. On today's episode, I'm so excited. I have Candace Lambert McAndrews. She is a celebrity stylist, mostly working with musicians, but she does a variety of people in Hollywood and beyond. Uh, Lately, she's been working with Kelly Clarkson and the Eagles, Garbage, Green Day, Pentatonic. I, I can't list everybody. But before that, she was a U.S. Coast Guard lieutenant. So I loved getting into her whole journey and how one led to the other and how she made this dream of hers happen. Let's get to the episode. Hi, Candace. Hi, Trisha. <laughs> this does feel so funny because, yeah, we were just reminiscing that the probably the last time we saw each other in person was maybe eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Bit. The last time I toured and Candace was bringing outfit choices for the band for Jason Mraz's tour. And then we also, yeah, the, what was the music video? It was, um, I think we did two, but the one that I yeah. definitely remember was I Won't Give Up. Yeah, because that's what I was like miserable in the yeah. trailer. I remember. We were all miserable <laughs> in the trailer, remember? <laughs> I was like, I was extra miserable. Like, I feel bad about that day. But like, oh, I'm sorry people experienced me that way because I was so, I was just like, that was at a time in my life that I was pushing myself so hard because I had learned the boundaries of saying no to things that I didn't want to do. Yeah, But that days after that day was like my breaking point that I was like, fuck, I I have to start saying more just cool stuff. I don't want to call you being miserable. That's the thing. I just remember. Because I remember (laughs) being like, oh, I was probably so so not my, who I want to be. No, I don't remember that at all. I just remember that video was like two days and we were bouncing around everywhere. Remember? And we were like in the weirdest places. I don't, yeah. I'm like where I'm remembering us. I don't even know where we were. (laughs) I don't either. We were out at some lot. I don't know. It was in the desert or not the desert. I just can't recall, but it It was was like, it was pretty brutal. We'll link the video and you can try to imagine where we were because we don't even know where we were. No. <laughs> no. And I don't want to anyway, go back. Yeah. I just, I had like crazy headaches at the time and stuff and like really was like depleted. So even though I was like, I'm so loving what I get to do for a living and this is like so cool and I love who I am and who I'm working with and getting to meet even more cool people like you that I was like physically breaking because like, yeah, I... 
was living a busy lifestyle and being on tour and getting invited to all these things with cool people. And I then like, um, had to be like basically admitted for exhaustion because I, my body then shut down. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so that was a huge lesson for me and like being like, right. Um, you have to also learn to say no to things that you do want to do because you need to actually make sure that you're taking the best care of yourself while you are doing all these other awesome things you get to do in life. Yeah. One um, of my clients, that's her saying is like the number one thing she learned over the years was how to say no. It's like the only thing you can give yourself, really give yourself is the power of no. Yeah. yeah. And that's, it's, that it's hard to learn to say no, even to things, like I said, that like, you're really like, oh, well, maybe I'm doing that because they want that for me, but I don't want to. But then like, oh man, I have to start saying no to awesome opportunities <laughs> yeah. because I know I won't be able to like, if I do that, then I'm just going to be depleted all the time. And I'm not going to be showing up as the me that I want to be when I'm there. Um, so enough about me. That's <laughs> I remember meeting Candace, <laughs> but she was yeah on set as a stylist. Yeah. Is that the term? Fashion stylist. Yeah. Whatever. Which is Order. what you are doing majorly right now, but I want to start with the beginning or somewhat of beginning because you were in like the Coast Guard. Is that right? Yes. I was in the Coast Guard for 20 years. So is, for what? 20 years. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. I retired so is, last Jan, February, last February. Second. Is that something that you went into like right out of high school? Did you go to college? Because that seems like to me, that seems like, OK, so obviously you must have always been interested in fashion somehow. And then going into Coast Guard doesn't. Yeah, like seem as how I would imagine someone's path. If you were, yeah, were you I mean, always interested that's in a fashion? Really normal question for me in my life. <laughs> People are like, I'm Wait sure. A Hold on. You know, um, let's see how I could say this briefly. You don't need to be brief. <laughs> okay. Well, I grew up as an army brat, one. Okay. And we lived all over. We lived in Europe and South America. You know, every two years we would move. It was, so I traveled a lot as a kid and I really, you know, struggled with like, you know, identity and who I was and all that stuff. Um, so I found a home in like punk rock music, you know, it's like where all the kids go when they feel a little bit of a, I don't say all the kids, you find your own thing, but that was my thing was music. You know, when you're feeling a little abandoned, you, you, you don't feel like everybody else. You kind of go to a place that you feel like you're meeting you, you know, like you, they understand you, they get what you're going through, all that stuff. So I really was heavy into music and shows and all that. And then, so when I graduated high school, I went to college for uh, almost a year and I was making like C's, which sounds silly. And what, were, and what were you going to college for? Were you just like, okay, I graduate high school and now we go to college because that's what we are supposed to do. Or were you like, this is what I want to do with my life? Yeah. I mean, my mother, was she was highly educated. My father was as well. You know, he was a general in the army. And so education was on the forefront. And my father also was like, either you join, if you're not going to go to college, you're going to join the Peace Corps. You're going to do something for your community for at least two years. So you have a choice. You're going to go to college or you're going to join the military or you're going to do something for others, period. You know? So I was like, I was living in Tennessee at the time in a small town called Clarksville, Tennessee. 
Is that you were living there with your family at the time or you moved there to go to college? My father lived in Florida at the time. My mother had lived there with me, but she moved to DC. So I had lived there. I graduated there. I had stayed there and I drove to Kentucky every day because we lived on the border and I went to college in Kentucky. See, it gets gets crazy. Um, So I was going to uh, school uh, at the University of Kentucky, like a sublet off um, for psychology. Oh, yeah. Don't ask me why. I think I, I've always been fascinated by humans and why we do what we do and what makes us tick. And I I did enjoy those classes a lot. The things I did not enjoy were like history, <laughs> which is funny now because I really do now. Um, you know, it's just like when you're a kid, you want to do what you want to do, but you're not really, you don't, the other stuff you put half-ass effort in, right? Yeah. So, um, I wasn't, my father was paying for it for this college. And he was like, listen, you know, I'm not going to pay for you to get C's. Like, this is it. Like either you get it together and you come to Florida and you live with me and you go to college out here or you go, like I said, and join the military, go join something. And he's like, but whatever you do, do not join the army, you know? Do not join the army. No, he was like, I think you should join the Coast Guard. I have a friend who's a lieutenant in the Coast Guard and they can do, like women in the Coast Guard can do anything that men can do. There's not one thing. He's like, you could be a captain of your own ship. You could be, you know, a helicopter pilot. You can, you can do anything. They don't have any, you know. It, like is that jobs. why he didn't want you to do the army? Because in the army, you couldn't do yes. as much as a woman? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's very cool that he at least like empowered you not at least that he did empower you to be like choose this branch because there's no limits for you there yeah I think that was what he was trying to say to me at that time so I thought about it and I was like I called my brother Doug and I was just like I can't you know like I can't go live with dad you know like I just can't do that you know he would be all over me it would be you know a thing and uh so I went straight to the army recruiter and I sat with them. I didn't like it. I went to Navy. I didn't like it. I went to Air Force. And then I finally was like, okay. So I drove three hours to Louisville, Kentucky. And I met with the Coast Guard recruiter out there. And they showed me like the boats and the things they do, search and rescue. I've always been like a human of helping others. I, I'm always for the underdog. You know, in high school, I was stuck up for the kid who was getting beat up. Like I've always been that human. And I was like, wow, I could do good here. You know, I wasn't like the person that was out there ready. Like I didn't have the drive to go out and fight like that. So I wanted to do the rescue side of things. So I immediately like joined the Coast Guard right then. I do think it's funny that you stopped at every other division, including the army, <laughs> when your dad told you not to. So was that a bit of like, well, I'm going to do what you said, but I'm, I'm going to oh, decide on my own terms. I mean, if you don't know me, you tell me not to do something, I will head there. Reverse psychology. But then you ended up going with the division your dad thought would be. Ideal. Yeah. When I met with them, I knew. I was like, mm, yeah, that's not what I want to do. Yeah, but I did. I went, that was the first one I went to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I joined and I came back and I went to boot camp in December, which was a lot of fun because it's really cold. And uh, I was there for Christmas and New Year's. And Where did you do boot camp? Cape May, New Jersey. Oh, wow. Yeah, for two months. So, and then I, my first unit, I was uh, in Hawaii 
on a search and rescue cutter. It's called a patrol boat. And I was just a little E1, you know, out there <laughs> painting and cleaning latrines and uh, sanding and uh, taking care of the ship. I was on deck force. I stood watch. I learned how to chart. I learned how to navigate. I became like a LE assistant, which is called a BTM, which is a boarding team member. So I'd go out and do boardings and be the assistant to the BO, you know, and stuff like that. I know it's a lot. There's a lot of acronyms. There's a lot of things. Yeah. And I don't know, uh, I don't know a ton about, um, the military, like, obviously I know people in it, but not super close. So like when you're, when you sign up for that, is it a two year, what is it? Is it a two year commitment, a four year commitment? Does it vary? Well, so what did I, you sign up with? For? I signed up for four back then you could do two, but my recruiter didn't tell me that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I found out later that you could do two. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, thanks. You know, you, you find out a lot of things once you get to boot camp that your recruiter doesn't <laughs> really tell you. Um, but they don't do two years anymore. I could be wrong. They might now, but I highly doubt it. But okay, the so then time. when you signed up and when you're in it those first couple of years, then you're just like, okay, I'm here for four years. Yeah, I'm here for four years, basically. And then, uh, so I did a bunch of like search and rescue in Hawaii in law enforcement. And I decided that I wanted to be a bosun's mate. And a bosun's mate is a person who drives boats in the Coast Guard. Oh. And they're in charge of the deck force, basically. They're the only enlisted rate that can command. So as a bosun's mate, you could command your own ship up to, like, the highest you go to is 87. But, so um, that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. So Wow. Yeah. And within that four years? Oh, yeah. Before, within four years, I became an E6. So I went from E1 to E6. I was charging hard, you know, and I went to, after that I went and I was a boot camp instructor. Wow. Yeah. So you seem to be full, like, oh, I was in full it. in. Yeah. Very passionate about it. I went and taught, uh, recruits, uh, seamanship, like nautical skills, um, a ton of different things, firefighting, damage control on the ship. Like if it floods, I taught them everything that they needed to know basically about a cutter or a boat before they got out there and what to do on it. And did being in that give you like a different sense of when you were moving around all the time and growing up and sort of feeling like you didn't belong and stuff like that when you were there, did it give you like that's like, did you feel like you had a sense of like, connection and community that are things did it give you things that you felt like you were missing yeah you know the great thing about that job is I I always tell people I think I got the most out of that job because when you're there you meet these kids at day one and a lot of them like this is it this is that's really it it's their last chance like to right. make it and to like have any chance of yeah. anything in life like the backgrounds they come from you know the family members and you watch them come in and their head is hanging low and they have no like self pride or uh, they don't believe in themselves or, you know, they've just had it rough, these 18 year olds. And then by the end, they are like marching tall. They have self-worth. They have team. They have a family. They have guidance. They have, you know, we really care about them too. You want them to be fully trained. 
And I used to like on graduation day, I used to get so just like choked up because you saw the change in these young men and women and they found, you know, they started to believe in themselves and the things they could do. You watch that growth. So that was an amazing journey for me to help out and guide those young kids, you know. So it sounds like you really loved your time there and the work you were doing. Was there a time that came that you felt you were ready to get out of it or what then created your? Yeah, well, I did that for like two years and then I requested to be transferred because I wanted to drive boats. So I went to a search and rescue station and then I drove a lot of different small boats there, like 21 foot, 23 foot, 25, 27 41, 47. And we just do like a bunch of, uh, that was just search and rescue and law enforcement. That's like when you spend the night, the alarm goes off, you jump on the boat, you go out, you know, you're saving Crazy. people. Crazy wow. stuff. Like people that, yeah, like drowning in the water or like whatever, they were out on their boat and had an accident. Yeah. Like, Fire on board, heart attack. Right. Slitterist. You know, I mean, there's so many things, drank too much, fell over. Right. It's just like, it goes on and on and on. Crazy, Crazy. stuff. Um, but that that was really good for me because I really started to uh, find my own in boat driving. I was the only female there, coxswain, um, which is a boat driver. And that was difficult, you know, because that was a long time ago. So I was at three units where I was the only female because my rate was very male dominant. And does that mean when you're the only female that like even when are you like then le- living And like, are you constantly then with other men or is that like when you go for your like work time of the day? Like, so like, are you living in your, an actual house on the Island? Are you living in barracks or obviously I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. When I was an instructor, I was the only female instructor. So I remember the first day I got there, I, I, uh, went into the locker room and one of the guys there was like, you can't have a locker in here. And I was like, uh, you know, and he was higher ranking than me and he was like, no, we're not going to share our locker space with you. And the CEO of the unit had heard. And he was like, she's going to have a locker in here and she can shut this door and lock it when she needs to change, you know? And th- so that's how it like things would be at times. And then when I was at the um, small boat station after being an instructor, you know, the guys there, you, you had some old salty, you know, guys who have done a lot and seen a lot of shit. And, uh, you know, I had a, an E6 tell me I was a E5 by then, I think. Uh, he was like, you shouldn't be here. You know, women shouldn't be in the military. Like, what are you doing? Like, it just like, I got told that kind of shit all the time. And I just watched the Hillary documentary and it kind of reminded me of this part when she's going to law school and she said, you know, it was like her and like another female and men were just like not having it. When, um, in the Hillary doc, you know, when she's going like, to law school. And she said, you know, she just sh- shut her mouth and dug in deep into the books, you know, cause she had something to prove. That's basically what I did at that time. I mean, I definitely stuck up for myself. I remember when that guy said that to me, I said, well, that's your problem, not mine. Yeah. That's you what know? I was going to ask like, you, like yeah, how you, uh, got through that. Cause that's my, my experience was so different, but me being experienced in the male world is when I was, uh, my first career was being a live sound engineer monitor engineer and that it was all men, but there might be some women around that would come in that were like catering or tour manager and production, but there were no female sound engineers. And I was 20 or 19 and people were like, yeah, like acting like I was a joke or how dare I. And even once I was touring with artists and was touring as the touring artists 
sound engineer than like going to local places and old union guys. And like, yeah, so I always felt like getting this, like, you obviously don't know what you're doing because you're a girl, you're not going to be good enough, or you're probably just here because, you know, someone likes you or something like that. And for me, the thing that got me through that is like still such a strong quote for me that both my girls are named after um, Eleanor Roosevelt. They both have the middle name Rose because of the quote, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So that yeah. for me was like really what got me through that. And that same sort of thing, like if somebody's telling me like, oh, you're not going to be good, any good and the whatever. And then I just like put my head down, do what I was doing. And then they check their monitors and they're like, oh, OK, I guess you're fine. Like, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, never mind. You're yeah, I don't. Yeah. It was like such bullshit that of these. Yeah. Like. Character. What is it? I can't think of the right word. Male dominant yeah, fields. Yeah, male dominant fields and just the, <laughs> the ideas that people have about who should be Women. good or not good or, yeah, or woman or yeah. what you look like or even if, oh, if you look that way, then you can't be something. And like the, the judgments that we have, even I think women have of other women too. But yeah, the prejudice is for oh my sure God, yes. of like, no, you don't belong here. Yeah, it's de it's definitely difficult. And, you know, like I I always was... I think that that drove me more, you know, I Same. would be like, oh, yeah, motherfucker, you yeah. just watch. Okay, here I come. And you, you don't know it, but I'm about to take over this place, yeah. you know, and I out there and try to be the best I could be. So what, um, promoted you or did you feel some sort of ending or was it just like your term coming in into an end that made you sort of shift out? I know you said you were in the Coast Guard for 20 years, but you weren't fully, fully in it for that. Like, right. When I met you, you were a stylist, but you still did uh what is it called? Um, I was, uh, in the coast, uh, a boatswain. No, um, like, uh, you're like active, but you were like, it's not, wasn't like your full time. Oh, I was, I was reserved. Right. So where, so where was the transition of like, what got to the point did you feel like you did everything you did in the Coast Guard and then that's why you went more into the reserves or was it just like the end of a time period for? I, I went to Iraq for a oh, year. Oh, wow. And I volunteered to because I really needed people. And I was the first lieutenant on a cutter out there in the Arabian Gulf. Um, so I went out there and I did that mission for a year. And then after that, I came to San Diego, California. And, you know, after you do something like that, it's so high pace for a year. Like you're just like, uh, I mean, it I think it took me six months when I got back to be kind of normal again, you know? And I was like, I was like, I told you I was an E6. I had been an E6 by that time, as long as I was, like I told you, I made it in four years. By that time, it had been an E6 for five because oh, okay. you can go to E7 and E8 and then E9 and that's pretty much it, right? But I'd been so operational that I just hadn't moved forward to E7 yet. And I was sitting in San Diego after doing a year and I thought, you know, like I have given so much up, honestly, like I've done so much. What did I want to do when I was 18? Like, what did I really want to do before I did all this? And uh, I was like, I wanted to be in fashion and music. That's what I wanted to do. I really did. I used to like dress like the Ramones 
all the videos, you know, like I would put jelly bracelets up to my eyeballs, like Madonna did right. you know, the black jelly bracelets back in the day, anything. Like I was obsessed. Like I told you, I was a music junkie kid. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out in a year at nine years. And so I got, I started to drive to Los Angeles, take leave, and I would go to internships. I went all over the web and found every internship that had to do anything with music oh. and fashion or anything with music. So I went and applied for them, which I kind of giggle about now because I would show up in these like suits. <laughs> and everybody would be like, wow, you're really, really dressed for this, you know? But I was in the military, so I thought that. But, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about LA either, by the way, you know, um, but I looked very professional. Um, so I would go. And, and how old were you at this point too? I was 27. Cause that's, I think that a lot of people have this like thought or fear, like that's young. 27 is so young, but people can be like, Oh, you know, if you're not like of early twenties, like, er, like college years, then like you can't be interning or like, you know what I mean? That people sort of stop themselves from doing things they want to do because it's like, Oh, I can't be an intern at 27. Like, did you have any of those yeah. sort of things? Like, in just like the fact that you really wanted to do this, we're just like, fuck it. Like I, this is what I, the, how you get in. You do, and that is mostly how you get in by trying to work, helping people and working for free. <laughs> I did not, but boy, did my family, <laughs> my mother and my father were not too pleased. They're like, you're leaving a federal job. You're leaving a federal job to be in fashion in Los Angeles. You know, like you have benefits you are taken care of. Like what the, you have retirement, yeah. you know, like what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm not really leaving. I want to stay in the reserves because I wasn't can give all of that up. And I love the Coast Guard. You could tell I loved it. You know, I have no regrets of doing it. I think it saved my life. It made me even a better stylist. You know, like I wouldn't be who I am without that part. Um, so anyways, I moved, I became, I worked at Nordstrom's, I sold shoes and I interned like crazy. I did like music branding. You would just take any like all. internship you could. And that's Anyone usually like get. working for free or very cheaply. Oh, I worked for free. I worked for free for everything. Um, and then finally, one day I was on Craigslist and I saw this uh, ad for a fashion stylist internship. And it had this lady had like all these questions that you had to fill out. Like, what's your favorite band? Like, what inspires you? Who are you? Da, da, da. And I filled out all these questions and I sent it in and she called me. And you actually know her. I think you met her, D. That's what I was wondering if it was D. I just had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. And so I went and met her and we sat down and we talked for like an hour at her house. And she was like, you got this. Like, you're, I'm gonna, you're going to be my intern. So I was her intern for, I think, like maybe a month. And then she was like, you're going to be my second assistant. So, and at that point too, when you move, you're like, okay, I like fa I want fashion music did you know you wanted to be a stylist and you didn't know what it was called? Or were you just like, I want to be somewhat involved in, in the music world. And I am drawn to the fashion. You know what I mean? Like, cause you were like, I'm taking yeah. any sort of internship. Like, did you really like, know deep down, I want to be a stylist or you were just like, I don't know. These are these worlds that I like. I'm just going to throw myself out there. I knew that I definitely wanted to be in the fashion side of the music videos. 
but I don't think I knew exactly how that happened to be or honest. like had a title like you didn't know oh I'm yeah. gonna be a stylist for musicians so I would try out for any fashion thing that sounded like it was close to being music you know like yeah. I was figuring it out but then I figured it out once I got to LA I figured it out really hard what it was like really fast what it was called and yeah. then I went for it went for it um, so anyways, D, she hired me as her second assistant. And then eventually I was her first assistant. Cause you know, there's tears and, um, she showed me the ropes, man. She showed me everything. She was amazing. She's such a beautiful human. And was I she like doing exactly, was she doing stylus for musicians when you started oh, working yeah. with her? That was she, like her thing. So you like, Oh yeah. I jumped right in. I mean, we got the thing that you really want. (laughs) Yeah, I did. And we did only men. She only does men. Um, and we did rock bands, like tons and tons and tons of bands. That was her niche. Yeah. And she was amazing. I mean, she was so meticulous with her paperwork and cause you know, with styling, there's so many things. It's not, it's about budgets and, you know, receipts and, you know, it's, there's a ton of things that goes into it that people don't realize. People are like, oh, you hang out with a rock band. Cool. Yeah. And you just shop all day. For like, and, like an spend hour other people's money. Fitting, you know? But like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, I, I too, I was like, oh, I think, oh, that's cool. I'd like to be a stylist one day. And then I was like, yeah, right. I get overwhelmed shopping like for myself. And then you have to have like 8 million options. And then like, yeah, then I'm sure then also the paperwork, like you're saying of like tracking the paying for that and who's paying for it is the label paying for it or this artist paying for it. Did someone take a shirt from uh, the video- music video shoot, which I did. And I feel really guilty about <laughs> you know, I sometimes remember like I took a shirt. What was I thinking? Whatever. <laughs> but I'm like I still sometimes have like who what was why did I think that that was okay that like oh whatever the label will just pick it up because yeah. I thought I think I saw that was a common thing but I was also like why did I think that it was okay it was like a by the way guys it was a t-shirt that I took it wasn't like some <laughs> I don't think you by the way that is a common thing you know a lot of like managers and stuff come in and are like well I'm gonna shop while you got all this stuff here you know and so I don't think you would have done it if you wouldn't have felt like <laughs> exactly okay. I think I'd seen it but I still it was like I didn't take like some fancy dress it was like a used t-shirts and t-shirts never fit me or I found them so I was like oh my god but I was like I could have been asked could I buy this shirt <laughs> and by the way you were with the artist it's not like you were there yeah. at craft services and you walked in and took a shirt you know no um, anyway <laughs> I'm just outing myself <laughs> I know you little thief you klepto I'm really sad that it doesn't it, it evaporated it was like an old <laughs> old old shirt I won't dust. tell I'm gonna call Jason right now and be like she owes you money <laughs> oh I mean I wore that shirt I know, after he I'm knew that kidding. I took it I'm, I'm like I was wearing it all the day <laughs> he he's like it looks good I he probably I, told me to take it I, I think <laughs> I'm kind of remembering I think you did scour three remember in the trailer I mean I was did, looking for we didn't wear in that trailer for a while we are in the <laughs> you probably did shop <laughs> I think I was looking for a belt at the time but I didn't find a belt but no I'm, anyway again off of me <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah being a stylist is a shit ton of work it probably it looks very glamorous and I think there are lots of aspects of it that probably are but. yes well I mean you get to hang out with artists and you know being creative and being around people who are creative is a, a benefit I don't really get crazy over celebrities I don't have that that's probably why I am okay in the job that I have because 
I look at them more of um, a creative outlet and what they do than be in starstruck mode with them. And you see that a lot with people. Well, I think also, I mean, that's what I got to see is when I was working with artists um, and what is also what really created then the job as like working with them more as the joyologist and manager of integrity after I was a sound engineer was because then you see like, yeah, these are amazing creative humans and they're stars and they're brilliant and they're so amazing, but they're also humans. Right. And so that they are have doubts and fears and worries. And I'm sure like it's almost even harder for them in some ways. It's like, oh, let me pick out this outfit. Like, oh, let me pick out this outfit. It's not like what I like. What is the camera like this? What are going to people to think of me? Like in some ways, a lot of their life is more pressure and more like even just, I would assume dressing someone to go, you know, out like just for like where, rather than like everybody's going to see. And then it's like more focus of whether it's choosing the song or the, this or the, that, or the outfit, like that there's a lot more that can feel like it weighs on them. And it's so many more other people's opinions, the manager's opinion, the, this opinion, the, that opinion, that there's a lot of stuff coming at these people. And that for me, I just wanted to like really truly be there as a support for them and be able to like check in with them, the human. Mm-hmm. That's why Jason then Ned named me manager of integrity after a while, because it was like <laughs> me constantly reminding him, well, what do you want? Yeah. Okay. Everybody wants you to cut your hair at that time. What do you want? Sure. Everybody think like you're, these people think that you look better and that you would sell more albums if you cut your hair. How do you feel about your <laughs> like stuff like that? But it's like big deal. I, that was a silly comment, but I'm like, again, flashing back to like that time in the trailer my life it's just like that um they are amazing creative people and they have a lot a lot yeah it's it's wild to watch and you know I think that I I'm kind of like you in the fact I was just there I'm just there to navigate to get them to who they want to be I'm not a believer in creating something that you're not I I don't make pop artists I go with him. I'm more of a, a collaborative effort. I want to be a team. I really want to know what you want. Like who, who are you trying to be? What are you trying to say? And I want to get you there. And once I get that out of you, I, I can, you know, I don't ever want, you know, to create something that is inauthentic for them. And I want, you know, you can see it when you, you get them there and it's exactly what they want. And they just didn't know how you, you see them shine. And it's really, really beautiful. And that's the point of my job. You know, I'm not a star. I'm not trying to be anything I'm not. I'm just trying to let you express you, basically. You know? Yeah. And I think, like, for sure, having your clothes and your whole outfit, like, letting that be something like, yeah, like you said, that, like, when they have it on, that it's, like, makes them come more alive and not, like they're already probably like in their head or having so many voices and then clothes that make them be like, yes. All right. Like I'm excited to wear this and I'm excited to be me. And this like feels good on me and feels like me and not, okay, I need to, what are the 2020 trends that I should be wearing right now? Cause that's what everybody's wearing. Or like, you know? Yeah, I do. And you're right. You know, a lot of opinions get thrown in there. A lot of people like will get management, you know, listen to the management, like if, if they're a new artist or, you know, whatever, or the record label, like will come in yeah. and say something and it, it, you got to navigate that pretty well. And you got to navigate it with them, you know, and I have no problem being like, they're not going to wear that. <laughs> you know, I kind of advocate and say, this is not going to happen. Um, because I can, 
And it's my job is to take care of them too. You know, like you said, you see these people, you know, you, you see them in their family lives, you see them every day and they have so many things thrown at them. Like you're saying that, you know, I just get really protective kind of like you and it's a really sensitive relationship and you know a lot about them and um, you just kind of want to take care of them because you see a lot of people not taking care of them, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of people that I, I think unintentionally or intentionally, but yeah, it's like that they can be like used or only, you know, a lot of people I think too might make up, oh, these people are so this or so special or that. So like they are then put on a pedestal and then they don't really even like tell them the truth or don't even tell, like they project a lot of things and people want them things from them always, but then maybe you're not even like actually like commenting, complimenting them or like, you know, like, I think just people, I think, forget they're human. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's a, a lot of problem with stylists, too. It's like a lot of stylists are yes people. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that looks great. Oh, so cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and they just want, they'll just say anything. Yeah. And throw them in anything, you know, where you have to kind yeah. of be like, no, this is awful. We got to fix this, you know? Well, that's one of the, like, that's, I think, one of the reasons I did create a lot of, like, bonds as a monitor engineer with artists is that people like they relied on me to be honest and not just tell them what I wanted to hear so like I remember I um I toured with Natalie Cole for a long time as her monitor engineer and she would always have like she had gowns and like you know like full like wardrobe and like would have you know different outfits every night and she would very often call me into the dressing room before the show and be like, Trisha, what do you think? This or this or this with this? Because she knew she could depend on me to like give my honest opinion, even though I was like, not like a fashionista or whatever, but she just like knew I wasn't a yes person. (laughs) and was like, liked, I think having that feedback of like, yeah, rock that. No, I'm not really feeling that. And like, but of course it'd be like, oh yeah, you want to go with that? Like, you know, I'm not going to tell you one looks bad, but that she had like this person, not saying that the other people on the tour weren't, but just, she just knew that I was like, she's just going to tell me. Yeah. I get it. It's, it. She feels it's it. funny because Kelly, her glam team, it's myself and Robert and Gloria. And then she has her assistant, Trisha. And none of us are, <laughs> none of us, I know, none of us are yes people. None of us. Right. So she'll ask us a question about anything. You close the hair, whatever. And we'll be like, no, uh-uh. Or was this wrong that I did that? Yeah, that was wrong. You know, like, or anything. She'll be like, can I just get one yes person around me? Like, she jokes. She she really enjoys that we're not because she knows that we have her back. We'll be like, yeah, that wasn't a good look. You know, not like in clothes or like just anything in general. Like, mm, you know, but uh, she's always like, trust me, I, my glam team keeps <laughs> me level. <laughs> it's so good because, yeah, it is easy to be a yes person in that world because it is like exciting to be around these people, to be a part of their lives, yeah. to want this. You want to stay in that. So if I say this, are they then going to not hire me anymore? Are they going to like, I think that's what keeps people front to being yes people. And I've seen artists' families turn into yes people. That, you know, because they are like, wow, you are such this amazing human that creates these things and that that they suddenly then become a fear of like telling them the truth about things. Yeah. And I feel like that's why we're hired also. It's like, I'm not hired just to throw things on you and make you happy. I'm hired (laughs) to give you an opinion and an honest one, you know, like, and and I know my craft. So I'm going to tell you, you know. 
It's me, Trisha. I wanted to bring you a brief interruption to tell you about something that I am so obsessed with. It's an infrared sauna blanket. It's basically like a sleeping bag, but you don't sleep in it. (laughs) But I'm sure you guys have heard of infrared saunas and you see like the wood booths and, you know, detoxing, sweating is so good for you and your body in so many ways. This product makes it so easy to do at home. It's a sleeping bag. You can fold it up and put it in your closet, under your bed. Um, And I think it's comfortable too. So I get pants, long sleeve shirt on, socks, put it on the floor, watch an awesome show or listen to a podcast. I set mine to around seven or eight on the dial. There's all sorts of settings. I have water nearby, lots of water. And I lay in this thing for 45 minutes to an hour and it is the most amazing experience. And sometimes it's just that like I feel super stressed out. Sometimes my body is in a lot of pain. I suffer from fibromyalgia. Sometimes it's like a workout pain. Sometimes it's like I've been so busy and I haven't exercised and it's a way to get a sweat in. It is always makes me feel a thousand percent better. And it's also like legit self-care because you can't be on your phone or anything in it. So you're laying in this thing, sweat out all the toxins and feel amazing afterwards. They have given me a code. Oh yeah, (laughs) you go to higherdose.com, higherdose.com and check out the infrared sauna blanket. Use code JOY75 for $75 off. And there's also an interest-free payment plan to use, which I did as well. That makes it easier to make the purchase. So it's seven times more detoxifying than traditional heat. It's anti-anxiety, increases feel-good chemicals, lowers cortisol. It actually burns up to six 600 calories per hour. It boosts collagen production, improves sleep, reduces inflammation in the body, increases blood flow and circulation, soothes sore muscles and joints. I mean, I just, I feel good inside and out no matter what I was feeling like when I went in the thing. It's amazing. I've owned mine for over a year now. Best purchase ever. Higherdose.com. Use code JOY75. And feel free to reach out to me at your joyologist to ask any questions. I will talk to you all day about this thing and why it's awesome. (laughs) All right, let's get back to the episode. Let's get back to then your craft and like developing that as you, I'm guessing like working with Dee and you're like learning a ton from her and the business and mm-hmm. how to do it. So then when you start to go off and getting your like own clients in jobs, especially because I'm guessing with your working, even if you're going up to like first assistant, you still have like D to lean on. So maybe you're like, okay, maybe you're doing more of this and, but she has the general thing. So when you went to like starting to work with clients on your own, did you like start like doubt fears of like, oh my God, am I picking the right things? But if they don't like anything, like how did you, I, it's funny that you asked that move question. through that and maybe still move through that of like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I'm human, right? I'm also an yeah, artist, exactly. so I'm sensitive as fuck, um, yeah. but it's like, I remember the first video. I I don't even remember. Actually, I don't remember what it was, but I remember this moment because uh, I I assisted Dee for a while. Like you're asking, how did I do that? I assisted her, but then she would give me jobs. She didn't want, um, she got pregnant. So she really slowed down. And I kind of took over her clients during that time too. Uh, But I would start doing other jobs. And I remember the first one I did on my own. It was like, it's an awakening because as an assistant, you're there to manage 
the wardrobe, the, you know, itemize everything, receipts, budget, paperwork. It's a lot of that logistics. Like you're kind of like taking over the like less fun work for the style, like yeah, so for the they, main stylist. So they can just create. They can show yeah. up. Everything's handled. They walk in the door. There's nothing to worry about. Shit's handled, right? So then when you're the one talking to the label and management and everybody else under the sun, like you're saying, who wants to have an opinion about this fucking band. <laughs> and then you're dealing with an artist. And so, you know, I only did men for years too. And I would do, I, I'm really good at doing groups. Like I can really coordinate people together. Um, and so I would do, you know, five people or whatever. And then there's five opinions there too. You know, there's five identities. But I remember the first time I did the job, it was so much pressure. Like I finally got why she was such a nutcase sometimes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I called her and I was like, I get it. I get why you're batshit crazy at times. And I love you, you know? Um, I totally understand because it's a fucking lot. It's a lot. You have to deliver. You're getting paid to deliver. You better deliver. And you better satisfy everything at the same time. Yourself included, right? That's yeah, the biggest which, one. By the way, I've, I have worked with artists. So we've had a stylist come in and pick a ton of stuff and nothing was liked. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I can't imagine that of like, great, you, we paid you to like go pick all these outfits and I don't like any of them. <laughs> that hasn't ever happened to me. I did see that on TV once, <laughs> like on some reality show and I was dying. I was like, this is the worst hell I could ever imagine. But I have had like the label or management mislead me. Mm. Like the, the way like they, they're like, this is what we're looking for. And then the band shows up like, what is Yes, this? exactly. So I always research, man. I research, I look at old photos. I look at things. I look what I like, what I don't, what I can see is cool that they like that we could go for. And, you know, and I listen to the music, um, try to get an idea of what their voice is. So I, I just always, I've known for pulling a lot because I never want to be in that situation. I would, it would be horrible. Nothing. Yeah. No, that's not good. So how do yeah. So that's how you deal with the pressure is like research and definitely research yeah. and covering all bases. It's not like you get one pair of black pants, you get 10 pairs of black pants, different styles, different shapes, you know, different cuts. You definitely have to cover everything. And it's the funniest thing about being a stylist is like, I'll have like six racks of stuff. And then every time, not every time, what happens, somebody will be like, do you have this? And, you're like, and it has nothing to do with any of the creative that you've like discussed or anything that you could possibly think of that why you would have that there, you know? And it's just like in the fleeting of the moment, you know, p creatives are crazy. So they're like, do you have this? Well, that's what I was about to say. It's like, yeah, because of course they like had a dream vision last night that so, they were like wearing some totally blue spark, whatever. Like <laughs> it wasn't on any of the ideas of what you've talked about, but like, I just had this amazing idea. Do you happen to have that? Yeah. And you're like, uh, well, no, but I can. And I will, I will go get that for you. But it, it's like, it's like a joke because it's like the one thing you don't have, they're going to ask for it. And what about like, had you have to navigate again earlier on when you started going off on your own to maybe even today, like this, like, um, having confidence and 
in who you are and the choices that you've made when there are, because also some creatives are definitely interesting people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like some are more like real and down to earth and some, especially if they're just meeting you for the first time, can be like hesitant and, you know, distance themselves too. So like, how have you navigated like you or have you gotten to a place and I'm guessing your past too with being the Coast Guard and always being you know told you don't belong here and that sort of stuff have that helped you to be like trusting yourself when you're there and to like navigate the weird energies that can come at you and like you said not even from the artist but from families and this and the that and the label and the management and that that always wants to come in and have an opinion and how you're able to like stand confidently there yeah I mean you definitely have to be a confident person in this job you cannot be a meek or a wallflower you definitely have to believe in yourself um I think that being in the coast guard you know once I obviously I was around a lot of dignitaries uh and you're taught how to be respectful how you know to articulate how to speak to them how to treat people properly um all that stuff I think that really helped you know with dealing with a celebrity as well. You know, I don't, I don't try to bomb rush them. I'm not trying to suffocate them. I'm there to do my job and that's it. I'm a a real professional. So that's one thing. I think that, you know, in the Coast Guard, it's taught you how to be timely. I'm always on time. How, you know, like those simple things, like, you know, uh, I know how to deal and lead. I was a leader, a major leader. Like I led a unit of 60 people, me, you know, like a, a division. And it actually, it was like 59 guys and one girl. So I know how to handle a lot of different personalities and I know how to. So that gave you so many skills you wouldn't have seen when you were in the Coast Guard that you're like, okay, I can navigate you agent and manager and assistant to this person and the that and then. (laughs) Totally. Because everybody is led differently. You know, it's like I could, I could tell you something and it's going to really empower you. And I could tell the person next to you and it falls flat. So you got to figure out how that empowers that person. Right. So I'm used to like really a lot of different humans. And um, I also don't like sweat it. Like if I did something wrong and I did a bad job, I'm going to fix it. If you don't like something, I'm going to take care of it. I don't really take it too personally. You know, like I'll do my best and I know I do my best. And if I fall short somewhere, I will rise to where I need to get higher. And that's okay. Like you can tell me that's the other thing is I, I'm not one of those stylists who's like, you just don't fucking get it. You know, it's like, I, I also want to grow. And if you don't like something that I've done, you know, and you're un- unsatisfied, tell me, I, I'm not going to take it personally. I'm here to create with you, you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, funny stories. Like I remember, you know, the first time I did a music video, it was with D. I can't even remember who the artist was with. All I remember that was, uh, not some 41. It was some other, what's the Madden boys? Oh, Good Charlotte. Good Charlotte. We were on a video set with Good Charlotte and somebody else. It was like some collaboration video. And I remember I was the second assistant at the time and I'm standing outside and I'm watching this video and it's so cool. And like, I couldn't believe I was in LA on a music video set doing fashion, you know? And Dee's like, I'm going to go in the trailer. You got this? And I was like, uh, and she's like, it's just, you know, she had been doing this for like forever, you know, so there's nothing exciting about this for her. I got to do some, you know, go look at the paperwork or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like I remember I was just standing there and I kept hearing people complain like about crafty and about these things. And people were just like blah, 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 all around. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm not cold. I'm not wet. 
I have food, free food, <laughs> and all this food. And I'm working, you know, watching this thing being created, you know, and I couldn't understand, you know, coming from the Coast Guard where I got the shit beat out of me, I was always tired, you know, <laughs> like, how could you not think this is excellent? So I always remember that because we can get really boo-hoo-y, petty-wetty, you know, after years of being in this industry. Yeah. Like, oh, this isn't great, you know, or da 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 And it's like, you got to remember, like, I always try to remember how lucky I am to be doing what I want to do. Yeah, I love that. Um, it made me remember, <laughs> it made me remember of a story that, like, when I first moved to San Diego, I, I worked at House of Blue Chicago doing sound, and a sound company hired me to move to San Diego to work for them that would then get me to touring. It was a touring sound company. And I had just moved there. And the first job they gave me was like the Newport Beach Jazz Festival. It was like this big weekend. And so the sound engineers that were doing, they put up in a hotel in Newport Beach for the weekend. And um, I, it was like a like sweets, like it was a suite, but it was like a like, you know, like a com- you know, like a com- like homestay yeah, in yeah, or yeah. like one of those suites. Totally. And I was like, oh my God, they're putting us up in a hotel and it's like a suite as a couch. And all the old touring guys were like, Trisha, this place is terrible. And I was like, <laughs> I can't believe that to me. I was like, I'm living my dream. They're paying me to do sound and they paid for me to stay at a hotel and I could have just drove an hour home. Like... <laughs> Totally. And that memory does still like, would, would like keep me be like, even because then I was like started touring and I only stayed at Ritz Carlton's and four star hotels. And yeah. I was like, okay, I understand. I understand what these guys were saying, but I also was still like keeping that excitement alive every day of like, hey, someone's pay. I am getting to do this job that I wanted to do and people are paying me to do it. And yeah, they're giving me free food. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about because you do get a little like, Jaded. Jaded. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I did so many videos too, where you're like, you're in a van and you're driving and you're jumping out, and, you know, gorilla style. Like, you know, I got paid like $200, you know, and it's yeah. like, you have to remember all that stuff that you came from to really appreciate it. So whenever I get a little sassy Sally or a little, you know, stupid, like butthurt stuff, I'm like, Candace, stop. You know, it's a little check. <laughs> you could be jumping out of a van in the rain with the wardrobe. The <laughs> um, what about dealing with, uh, have you had to deal with like, um, I don't know, competition or like weirdness from other stylists. And it, to me, you seem like the kind of person that wouldn't let that bother you, but I'm sure that it's still annoying and that it happens and that people might even like try to put you in that position of like comparing someone else's work with yours or like, is any of that sort of happen? Like, yeah, you know, I competition I, vibes. I um I have some really good friends that are stylists. Stylists don't really hang around with each other because you're not on set with other stylists usually. Right. So you're kind so you of, don't even really like get to know other stylists. Yeah. And like if you're on set at a music video and there's two stylists, you might talk beforehand to figure out what's going on, you know, but you don't really hang out because you're managing your client, you know? Um, but yeah, like I, I, I'm, I, this is my thing that I always tell people, there's enough jobs for everybody. There's enough to go around. There's no reason for anybody to be petty in competition. Like I'm, I'm not going to fight you for a client, you know, like either they see my worth or they don't period. But I've had a stylist be mean to me before I was, uh, it's kind of a silly story, but I was like at this huge event for Sony or something. And I was with a client 
and another client, not my client, another artist walked up to my client with their stylist. And I, we were on a bridge and I was kind of stuck in the middle of this conversation. And so this person shakes my hand and asks my name and I'm kind of like, I don't want to be in that. You know, that's not why I'm, I'm there. I'm not there to smooth with other artists. artists. I'm there to be with my clients. So I was trying to like back out of <laughs> the conversation, but the other stylist got really upset that I was standing there in that circle and I was trying to get out of it. And she was like, oh, you want to drink a little bit more? And like in front of everybody, like you wasted, that's real professional, right? And I was like, I hadn't had one sip of alcohol. I was actually trying to bow out of the circle so the two artists, the artists could talk to each other. And my artist was like, excuse me? Like, what the hell are you saying? You know? And it got really uncomfortable and really weird. And uh, that was the first time I had ever seen anything like that. I was like, dude, do you think I'm going to shake that person's hand and try to steal your client? Like, get over yourself. Like, what the hell? Insecure. You know? Like, no. And I wouldn't do that anyways. You know, I don't understand that sort of cattiness at all or like the competition of even of like, yeah, you could steal somebody's client or somebody's client could decide to go to them. But that's like, that's then what happened. It's not like, yeah, it's not like you are out to get somebody and that, yeah, like there's work, there's plenty of work to go around, like you said. And the funniest thing is I don't even think that client knew that the artist knew that I was a stylist a stylist just knew I was so it was like uh, it was just totally strange and I'll <laughs> never forget it I was like uh no I don't care no I don't want to style them anyways so <laughs> anyways but yeah so they, there's things that do get a little weird out there you know like you got to be secure in yourself and you know artists will come and go they are gonna try new things they're gonna see what's best for them and um it's kind of like you like how many hairstylists have you had in your life you know how many like things have you done you know I mean it goes on and on different grocery stores you're going to try different things to see what fits you Uh, most I've been very lucky I've had very loyal artists and sometimes I've had a couple leave but most of the time they come back and that's just how that goes you know yeah so is that like what if if a client does leave to go work with somebody else that's like what you sort of tell yourself and like it's not necessarily like about me that it's yeah you never try something else out you never know where that comes from you know so you can't and and some of that is like well maybe I'll just try like it's not like again like oh it's not that they don't like what you're doing anymore but like oh yeah like you said like oh maybe I've been using the same person to dye my hair for six years now but maybe I'll try this person that yeah you're that's a great analogy of like Yeah. yeah You know, and usually you're like, shit, I hate this hairstyle now. And you go back to the one you loved, right. you know. Well, maybe I'll try this Thai restaurant instead of this one. This has great reviews too. Every, my friend said they love this one. Exactly. And, then that one. <laughs> and I think the thing that people in this industry have a hard time doing is saying, you know, if you do the same thing over and over, or you kind of get in the same vein, you know, the client should go to that artist, hairstylist, makeup artist, whoever, stylist, and say, I really think we should switch things up. You know, I think that I want to do this or that. I think there's a lot of uh, miscommunication in that fact for people. I see a lot of people like hairstylists and stuff get let go. And I'm like, why didn't you just tell them that you wanted that? Like, they can do that. They're not, you know, it's not like I only do rock bands. I can do pop artists. I can do rap. I can do country. 
you know, and I think right. people think that you can only do one thing. Or they feel like they're going to like hurt your feelings. Like, oh, if I tell her I want to go in this different direction, then she's going to like, you know, like whether not, not even like hiring somebody else, but like, oh, whether it's like with fashion, like, oh, I want to try this out now that like maybe Candace can't do that or whatever. Like, but it's like this sort of like a fear of being honest in some way. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But then that's not fun. Yeah, I want you to be honest, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me. And what about then like getting to, I feel like in the last, I don't even know, I want to say year, but it's, I think it's been multi years because time is crazy and I can't believe that your daughter is too. Yeah. But yeah, so you've been working with Kelly Clarkson for a while and then that's like on The Voice and then her own show. And like, was that, yeah, especially like going to The Voice where there's like a bunch of different high powered people that probably all have their own stylist. Like, was that like, did that bring up any insecurities or in in yourself before and then while there like anything that again you had to like tell yourself or work through to be like all right no you know it's funny like the voice we're all really close on that show and you know I know all the stylists on there because I've been doing this for so long now and so before you got on the show you knew yeah I I was excited to see you know like I, I I've known them all for quite a few years and um if I didn't know you I met you and we became friends you know like I said uh, it's I'm not gonna make it weird if you don't make it weird like I'm not there trying to get John Legend I love Dave Thomas he's super talented he does amazing things with John Legend he should stay with John Legend you know like I don't I don't want you know it's just like you get this respect for each other's arts and crafts too just like John has respect for Kelly and what Kelly does you know you kind of like cheer each other on more than uh, you know, like, well, yeah. Dave will be like, well, I love that dress. Like, who is that? Where'd you and get what it? what about, did you feel like extra pressure though of like, okay, now every, how, whatever, now these outfits of like being on live television or I don't even, not on live television, but whatever with the show, her show. And then that, like, that's a lot more outfits to pick up that are in the public eye, like night after night at night, like that sort of pressure of. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely. People talk about outfits, obviously. Oh my God. <laughs> tell me about it. Everybody has an opinion. Uh, <laughs> it's like, just stop, you know, like. Why do we have a right to have an opinion about what other people I don't wear? know. Like, and they, matter? you know, always the opinions are wrong. It's not, not to be rude, but it's like, you know, it's like, she's five, three. And you know, like, you no, that would not work on her. Why don't you put her in this? Well, you know, cause she's not six foot tall. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like the, the way people think about clothes is so funny sometimes, or they're just feel very like into it. Like a lot of people want her to be country or they want her to be like this. And what they don't realize is what I'm doing is what Kelly wants to be. Right. That's what I was like. <laughs> that's great that they want her to be that what they want her to be, but that's not how life works. You yeah. get to choose what you want to be. <laughs> not what anybody else gets to be. <laughs> yeah. They're always like, why is she in black tights? Because that's her thing. She wants to wear black tights. That's it. That's, there's not, there's nothing to it. I don't make her do it. <laughs> so yeah, how do you deal with like comments and oh, feedback man. like that? You know, it's just more like annoying. It's like, let me go to your house and see what you're wearing. Let me comment on that all day. You know, it's like, <laughs> listen, I don't, I just really, you know, Kelly's like the internet is the devil. Don't even get into the trolls, you know? And it's kind of the thing you kind of have to go with too. in your own life is like, cause you know, I always say that, uh, quote by Erica Badu is like, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. I am sensitive about my shit and I work really, really hard. So when you go down there and you trash it, 
it does take an effect and it shouldn't. My husband's always like, get off of there because there's like 900 nice things, 900 nice things. Okay. And I'm just like scrolling through the nice things. And there was one, why is she wearing black tights? And I'm like, God damn it, the black tights. <laughs> Shut up, about the fucking black tights. She wants them. Okay. People. Um, but you know, it's like you, you, I can't pass over the 900 great things. And half those people aren't real people either, by the way. It's the troll who wants the 900 likes. It's the one negative comment that flies to the top. And it's not about me. It's about hair. It's about makeup. It's about everything. You know, it's even about her sometimes. Like, and you read it and you're like, you're just an asshole. But it's also like, so who, yeah, the people that are out there negatively commenting on other people's appearance or anything in the world, it's like, that sucks to hear that review, that information. But also it's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> when, exactly. It's like, yeah, like, why do I need to take your opinion as any ounce of caring? Like, why does your opinion matter to me? <laughs> I know. And it's like, I try not to get there. But sometimes you fall in that hole where you're like, it's, you know, Linda from New York or Arkansas you know, or Debbie from Ohio, you know, thinks that Kelly's hair looks like crap. And, you know, it's just like, or she's too fat or she's too thin or, you know, it's like you read all these things and it's like, you know what, Debbie from Arkansas, let me go in and see how you look every day, you know, or like, why do you feel, and I always love the comment, hey, I'm a fan, but hey, I love you, but, but, and hey, you know, you're the greatest, but you sing like shit today or your video sucked or, you know, it's like, I don't know how people have the right to say that you love somebody and one and you're a fan. And then you trash that person over fucking clothes or makeup or anything they're doing, you know? Yeah. I don't really, I don't understand those sorts of things. And I just always feel like they must, obviously it's like, it's easier for them to pull apart someone else that they have nothing to do with than for them to like look at their own unhappiness and their own stuff and that quote that I went you know that has been like my lifeline for years that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent that's been years then I started to realize nobody can make me feel anything without my consent so like nobody can feel like make me feel like I'm not good enough nobody can make me feel loved nobody can make me feel worthy nobody can make me feel successful and that's the whole point of the podcast being called claiming it is that meaning like people can do things that definitely make you feel a certain way whether it's a hurtful comment an attack a judgment but we're the only ones that can like really like make ourselves feel like I am enough yeah I am worthy I am successful I am fulfilled and that like putting our joy and our worth out there somewhere once everybody likes me or and I know you're not like this like once oh once I get don't get any negative comments or like whatever it is that like we're so often putting things like once I do this have this then I will feel that and that that's my point of like claiming it that we have to like claim these things for ourselves and sometimes it's like every freaking moment because you can feel great and then see the damn negative comment yeah <laughs> It's like not letting those negative comments steal your joy. (laughs) I just try. I know. And it's so so silly when you think about it. It really is. Because, you know, these people also don't know all the hard work you put in the hours of shopping, designing, you know, tailoring, sewing, you know, all this stuff. And they don't, you know, that's not their thing. They might be the best, you know, at what they do. But, you know, and also like opinions are 
you know, you're allowed to have it, right? But I also think maybe you shouldn't always share it is where it gets down to. I'm not going to please everybody. And I figured that out. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to please them. You know, everybody wants everybody to be something, you know, and you know, me feeling that way. Think about the artists. That's what I always think about. It's like, boy, I feel a little bit like people are mad that she's not country. People are mad that they're not punk rock. People are mad. They're not this, you know, it's like, wow. Think about being that person. Exactly. I mean, that's what, yeah, we already got into. It's like, these are like amazing people that have created these amazing things, but they're also so fucking human and they have all of this stuff being put on top of themselves even more. And like the pressures of all these people wanting them to be a certain way and be a certain thing and sing about this and do this and don't use your platform for this, but use it for this, but don't do this, but don't say this. But do this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. Like you're not, nobody is here to please anyone but ourselves. And we have to keep reminding ourselves that. Yeah. I mean, it, it does come down to that. And I think you, you nail it on the head is like you create, I, you know, your own environment, you allow things to happen to yourself and allow things to affect you. And that's where you have to be like, okay, this person is sitting at a computer, bored, lonely, who knows what's going on in their life. And this is the only how to get validation is writing something negative and people liking it. And that's sad, you know? Yeah. Like, why yeah. don't you bring some good out there and some positive things and one good thing to say. You know? Yeah, there's a, I think it's a Marion Williamson quote that I always, when I struggle with people like that, or that I'm like, I can't understand why people are doing these things or saying that it's sort of like thinking of every action as either an expression of love or a call for love. Right. So that like, either that person is misinterpreting like, oh, I think you would be better, more lovable if you do this. Like they think that they're like, even like you're parents telling you not to pursue fashion, right? Yeah. Like, because they want to protect you. That's an act of love, even though they're like, kind of telling you, we don't believe that you want to do fashion. Or you'd make it. Um, Right. (laughs) Exactly. So like, that's uh, actually coming from a place from love or these people like making these comments. It's usually a call for love because they're not happy in their own lives. No, I mean, I think it's easier for them to judge everyone else. Could you imagine like me going on like Jason Mraz's Instagram and writing something mean. Like I could never imagine myself doing that when I don't care enough. I just do not care enough. I love Jason. Great guy, beautiful human. But like, why would I ever be invested so much in somebody that I don't know? But that's like, even if you do know them, it's again, it's like, it's their life. You can like, yeah, true. Fair point. Fair point. (laughs) I mean, and even like, yeah, I am, we're here not to be yes people and give opinions. But again, I think even in that, that you're coming from a place of heart love, like here, let me tell you how I see it. But again, I see it's your choice at the end of the day. Like you might be telling to Kelly, Hey, I think this outfit might be better for you. But of course, if she chooses the other one, you're going to be like, cool. Yeah. That's your choice. You do you. (laughs) Exactly. You can only do what you can, you know, and I can say my opinion and they can take it or leave it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get to really quickly the questions ask everybody. So these coming up are going to be, um, I have all these phrases on keychains in my product line. And I ask everyone to choose the phrase that they feel they most need as a reminder in their life right now and why. Hmm. There's so many good ones on here. Because they all relate to everything and, and me. <laughs> Um, I think like I'm at the point in my life where, you know, 
I'm going to say so fucking grateful. Yeah. Because I am, you know, I sit and every night and I think about, you know, I have this, my friends and Kelly and all of us, we, we do this where we sit and we say like 10 things we're grateful for every day. And, you know, I lay in bed at night and I sit there and I think about all the things that I have and how blessed that I am, you know, to be where I am and what I am doing to have a job that I love, a husband that I love, a beautiful girl. Uh, you know, there's, I mean, I have food on the table. There's, it just, it's endless. You can get down to minuscule things, you know, like a water, drink water that comes out of my shower. Like it, it can go on and on and on. Right. But when you do that and you break it down, it really helps you realize that all that shit that you have in your head, it's, you know, we can, you know, especially me, I, I, I can tend to beat myself up a lot. I, I would say that I am the hardest on me than anybody. And I always uh, want more and I feel like I could be doing more and I could be doing better. And I, you know, it's just this, am I a good enough mom? Am I treating my husband well enough? Am I doing my job enough? You know, it's like this thing that it's like it cycles over and I have to like sit and be like, you are a good mom. <laughs> you love your daughter. You know, it's like you work your ass off to give her food, you know, like, like love yourself a little bit. Also be grateful for everything that you have and stop worrying about what you might not have you know, those kind of things. Yeah. No, I think uh, especially more so during this stay at home time, it can make it, you know, I've, it's definitely made, I mean, I always present gratitude, but for sure it's like the simple things of like, oh, I have a warm bed to sleep in. Like, yeah, I have clean water. Like the small stuff matters. And I think sometimes naming the super small stuff can then start to tap into the larger stuff. Totally. Yeah. I, th yeah. I think about that all the time. You know, it's like I, I can feed my kid every day, you know, and like, especially during this time, you know, you think about all those kids who are, you know, the one food source for the parents was school. And yeah. now they're not going to school and getting two meals to three meals a day. You know, and it's like, I, I can give my daughter three meals a day. You know, it's just like, you really have to put things in perspective. And I hope a lot of people during this time are putting that into perspective and helping the others because we need to. Yeah. And I hope that it lasts. I've heard people be like, oh, we're never going to be the same again. But I'm like, I feel like people, once this ends, people might feel these things for a couple of weeks and then quickly forget about all of this <sighs> and go back yeah. to life. So I'm hoping that it stays alive. <laughs> the, not coronavirus, but that... <laughs> The like remembering and the hopefulness of the slowing down and a little bit focusing on what matters and the gratitude for what we have so that when everything picks back up again, we can presence that more easily. Yeah, because, you know, I think the funny thing about this is like everything I felt like before was really bubbling, like Russia, you know, Iran, Turkey, Syria, North Korea, China, all these things, you know, Trump were bubbling. Remember, the world was getting really, really intense and crazy. And then it just like this thing comes along and shows that we are all the same. None of us, not one country, nobody, not any religion. We are all delicate little beings that can be swapped out really quick. And I hope that people from all over realize that all of our shit that we're doing is really petty too, you know? And we need to take yep. care of each other everywhere. Yep. So... I don't know. I don't yep. want it to bubble up again. 
I don't, I don't either. That's what I'm saying. I'm hoping that we can keep these things alive. Um, what is a go-to to raise your joy levels or to like put yourself maybe in a better mood, maybe when you are in a he- in your head a little bit or something? I really love to work out. Yeah. I don't get to do that much. I, I you know, I used to work out every single day. You got to remember I was, I used to do PT tests and be in the military. So it was like for years. And then I had a baby. <laughs> oh shit, went to hell, um, you know, with working out. And then I'm also extremely busy. So it's like, I get up at like 6am and I don't get home till God knows when. And then I want to see my child, you know, for a second that I have. Um, so I really, really love physical fitness, anything like that, running, biking, stuff like that. So that's a go-to. Sometimes I like to watch trash TV and just check the fuck out. Like yeah. not do anything, you know, like really just play it dumb. Like, I don't want to think about Trump. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to think about what I have to do tomorrow. I want to watch this stupid show and laugh at these women who are absolutely silly. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, just have a glass of wine, just stuff like that. Spend time with my daughter, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I ask everybody to apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So can you think of a way to say what is easiest for me is to do blank or to say blank or to be blank. And what is best for me is to. Wow. That one's hard. Yeah. It could be like a daily habit, a routine, or like a way you naturally react or what is easiest for me? I mean, it could be like you said, what is easiest for me is for like to work, 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 or what is best for me? Like, well, yeah, I mean, I am one of those people who I work myself to the point where I probably shouldn't. Uh, I don't know if it's not best for me or not, probably not at certain times. <laughs> um, you know, I think I am always like this person who's afraid of being lazy and taking this shortcut and I never want to. So I'll always be like, I could, just sit here and do nothing or I could get up what would be best for me to get up and clean this house or I could da 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 and that's really shitty sometimes because sometimes I just want to sit on the couch so maybe it's best for me to sit on the couch and what I could do is do the dishes it'd be easy for me to do dishes but it might be the best thing is to sit on the couch right yeah so for you (laughs) it's like yeah what is easiest for you is to constantly be doing yes what is best is to let myself relax Mm -hmm. and that's another thing with this epidemic pandemic you know you kind of have to like chill yeah. Did that take you a while to like try to unwind? Cause I'm, I feel like you've been outside looking in. It seems like you've been, yeah, like full, full, full going full throttle for so long. And that sometimes it's not like, great, I'm on vacation or even like, you know, even if you go on a vacation, but this is like a forced vacation of like what the fuck is happening. So it's not at all a vacation, but just like if you're, when you're so used to being going, 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 then it's like, what's happening? What? Yeah. It's, re- it's been really hard. It's like stir crazy. You know, you're like, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like, um, what claustrophobic. You're like, I want to, I got to get out of here. I got to do something, you know, a little maddening. But has it allowed you, have you been able to relax them and not be like, yeah. And I've also like spent so much time with my daughter. Like I never would have had that much time before ever. So it's, you know, and she's going to be in preschool this year and stuff like that. So it's like almost a really good time because she'll be in school from now on. So I got to spend, I've been spending a lot of quality time with her. Good. Yeah. Um, 
All right. The last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It. And I already talked about why. What are you claiming for yourself right now? Uh, wow. <laughs> I know. Just a light little. <laughs> I claim. I guess the thing that I like a, a thing that I need to do better is that what you're asking? Like, are you claiming like, not necessarily. I mean, it could be like, I claim, I claim that I'm awesome at what I do. I claim that I am allowed to rest. I claim it could be anything. So it could be something that you want to work on or something that you need to work on or like, yes, I am this. I claim that I'm enough. I claim I'm a badass stylist. No matter what anybody says, like I claim that I don't care what the negative comments are. Like it could be anything that comes to you. <laughs> I think that I'm always trying to love myself. Like, I think growing up in a household of, you know, parents who are, you know, I was a, what was that called? A New York kid, a latchkey or a door, you know, like I was alone a lot with my brother and my parents were very driven and, you know, you have all these expectations. And I think that I have a hard problem, like not, um, allowing myself to fail or do things bad. And I claim that I need to appreciate myself a little bit more. And I think the older you get, the more you see that, especially when you have a kid, you start to look at the things inside yourself. You know, I, I realize that more now than ever. I used to never think that about myself ever. Like I've never... You never you never used to think what about I yourself? I didn't really ever doubt me or not. Uh, I just didn't really, you know, I didn't really like... I wasn't so... I don't think I was so hard on myself before I just did it. You know what I mean? I just flew through it. I was like, I was determined. Yeah. And now, like I said, if I sit somewhere for too long, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Get up, you lazy bastard. You know, kind of thing. And I think that, and I don't know why that's happened. I, I don't know if it's my child or what, but I, like, I've noticed it about myself. And I'm like, you know what, Candace? I claim that I need to cut myself some slack. That's pretty much it. All right. Yeah. I think you're a fucking badass. <laughs> Thank you. And that you definitely need to cut yourself some <laughs> slack, appreciate yourself, acknowledge yourself for all that you do. Thank you. And that you are awesome, even if you lay on the couch for days <laughs> watching cheesy TV or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, like that your worth is not wrapped up in how much you're doing. Okay. Too. okay. That might be something to claim. Like, <laughs> I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting with me it was so good to see you it's been forever i hope you guys enjoyed that episode with candace i think that she is such a badass and her story and who she is is so cool and i loved that you know like yeah she had something really good really secure going on and she decided to start from nothing and just keep putting herself out there when most people in our life were just like, what are you doing? You have a great life right now. So a reminder that you can always do that thing that you want. Maybe you're 27, maybe you're 47, whatever it is, there's always time. So I hope Candace and her story have empowered you. Um, I will have a link. She has actually a like jewelry line collaboration right now where money is giving back. So I will have that linked in the show notes and her Instagram. She's cdicelove13. That will be in the show notes. All the links, full show notes are at yourjoyologist.com slash podcast. You can find me 
at Your Joyologist on Instagram and everywhere. Please subscribe to the podcast, then you get it as soon as they release. And please leave a review. I love hearing from you why you're listening, what episodes you love, all of that good stuff. And if you screenshot your review, you can screenshot it before you hit enter and send it to podcast at yourjoyologist.com and I'll send you a free gift from my product line. Just like I have everybody pick a keychain, I have empowering mugs, an affirmation deck, wine glasses, journals, magnets, all sorts of products to empower your day with all a variety of sayings and language to suit all types of people. Also, make sure to check out my Daily Inspiration app. You can find it in the Apple and the Google Play app stores. It's called Own Your Awesome. And again, check out my podcast partner at Try Better Help, H-E-L-P, slash, that's the forward slash, claim it. They will match you with a licensed therapist several therapists, and then you can choose the ones that you feel are a better match. Um, it's always good to talk with someone, and especially now. I've been doing it myself, and I love the way that this platform makes it easy and affordable. And if you use my link, you get 10% off your first month. Try betterhelp.com forward slash claim it. All right, a final thought of the episode. What are you claiming for yourself right now? Is it maybe a dream that you put off? A dream that you always had a feeling for? Is it a way that you want to feel? Is it claiming, you know, your worth no matter what you've done or haven't done? What are you claiming right now? All right. Keep on listening to more episodes and I'll see you at Your Joyologist on social media. And every Monday, a new episode will drop.